0: Good day. This is Michael Wardy, certified financial planner and regional director at Source HOV Tax. Thank you for listening to the only dedicated tax incentive podcast available in the world. The goal for these podcasts is to deliver information that could be useful and applicable to your business. We interview experts in their fields to talk specifically about their specialty and give some thoughts, insight, stories and when they can, advice on how to best approach a project. Today, we have in this studio uh, Deb Roth, and we'll be discussing the Research and Development Tax Credit for the United States and some of the challenges, hurdles, and benefits. Deb is the practice leader for the Research and Development Tax C- Credit Group here at Source HOV Tax. Thank you for joining us, Deb. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely,
0: um, you know what I'm gonna. If we can just start out, Deb, can you just give a short background of your experience on the research and development tax credit? Maybe touch on um, how our where our practice is in relation to uh, what's going on with the research and development tax credit here in the states, and um, uh, and share some experiences and maybe even a story so far.
1: Sure. So, um as Michael noted, um, I lead the R&D tax credit practice here at Source HOV, and uh, my background started over 20 years ago in an audit capacity at one of the big four accounting firms, and then kind of morphed into working on R&D tax credit projects, and now I've been dedicated to the R&D tax credit um, for the past 22, 20, 23 years now. Um, in the R&D field, I would say that a lot has changed more recently in that it's become so much more taxpayer favorable there's been some very um, favorable items that have come out of the last few tax acts um, that have made the credit permanent and have also um, made the credit a little bit more available to companies so that they can actually use those credits to offset taxes so now's just an exciting time for, for R&D across the board
0: that's and I've been in, involved in this for about fifteen years and i've I've witnessed and experienced the evolution of what's been available to companies. um what are some of the so the credit was made permanent um but are there besides that, are there any notable changes that have taken place for uh businesses to start to look at it or consider it over the past and let's say over the past uh three or five years?
1: I would say that the changes really haven't changed the actual definition of what a qualified activity is. Um, where things have actually changed a little bit is that many companies historically could identify research expenses within their business and could compute an R&D tax credit, but because of their specific tax situations, they weren't able to then take those credits that they were generating and actually offset their taxes there there were certain limitations so what's happened most recently is that there's been a lot of relief in that area where um, if you're a C Corp entity for instance you no longer have minimum tax limitations. Um, if you're a pass-through entity and you generally are less than a 50 million dollar gross receipts or sales company you also have um, the ability to not be limited by the alternative minimum tax so I just think in general with the changes in the tax rates and in the and in the, and in the the tax schedules and in any of the tax changes, that it's just become a lot more beneficial for companies that are doing that R&D to make sure that they're properly capturing all of it because now it's going to be just that much more valuable.
0: I think those changes are huge. I know that there have been a number of companies that over the years have looked at the credit and just said, we can't use it. We're not even going to deal with it. Uh, and then they just forgot about it for six or seven years. But now it sounds like it's a great opportunity for these companies to revisit the conversation and see what's available to them. Are there, are there specific, would you say that there are specific companies or industries that really, that are better geared for the credit versus others?
1: Um, the number of R&D tax credit. Um, Claims that are going through um, year-over-year is growing so and it's really across a a wide range of industries So I wouldn't say that there's a specific industry That is more focused within R&D. You have your obvious ones, right? You've got all your manufacturers then you've got a lot of your software development companies Um, but then in addition to there we are seeing that there's financial services, there's constructions, there's architectural and engineering firm, and companies in other industries that that you just wouldn't really see as a focused R&D type, um, type industry, but there could be some qualifying activity. So it makes sense at least to evaluate your business, be a little bit familiar, with what activities qualify and what don't, so that then you can make a decision on whether or not you should be pursuing the R&D tax credit opportunity.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we've seen and I've seen talking with some CPAs where they've asked, uh, what about this company? And at first glance, you think, well, it doesn't make sense, but then you dig in, you realize, well, they're doing software development in-house to make themselves, whatever, more efficient, or they've developed some code, code behind it, and, that there is R&D in that. What about size companies? And I know this comes up quite a bit is you look at some of these companies that are, and if you can touch on this, the whole startup change that took place as well, but there are companies that say, oh, we're too small because we know that Apple takes it or Microsoft takes the credit and obviously we're no long, we're nowhere near that size company, so it doesn't make sense for us to look at it. Are there sizes of companies or um, a, a specific geographic areas that make more sense that or don't make sense
1: from a size perspective um, we have clients that that range from just just a couple of million dollars in sales to almost a billion say Um, so I don't think that it's really gonna dictate based on the, the amount of sales what will dictate is what the actual underlying activities are And now, smaller companies that are maybe perhaps more of a true startup, um, in those cases, you're going to have entities where they're not generating a lot of income. They may not be generating a lot of sales, but they're definitely generating a lot of expenses because they are investing in an R&D to ultimately become a successful company. And one of the changes that did come out um, a couple years ago now is that those companies that meet certain requirements, are able to take that credit and apply it against their payroll tax. So oftentimes, since they don't have the tax liability on their tax return, they're still employing people and it's helping them to mitigate the cost of the employing the people that are actually doing the research. So I think that that's been a a large change for those small companies that in the past just wouldn't, wouldn't have looked at R&D because they didn't have any taxable income. That's
0: a huge change when you think about these companies that are strapped for for cash, especially on the startups, I mean they they're looking for anywhere at all to find additional cash flow and it sounds like that this could be a, a huge benefit. are there are there really are there industries in the startup area where it makes more sense versus others?
1: I would say no. I would say that all the industries, as long as they're doing some sort of improved product, improved process, trying to, you know, actually meet the actual definition of R&D. So as long as those activities are taking place, um, I wouldn't say that it is industry specific or limiting in any way.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, So I get this. Uh, this question a lot or this statement, it sounds too good to be true. Um, What's the catch? Uh, You know, that level of skepticism. Can can you share where people can get stuck or instances where they should not have engaged in doing this? And that whole thought of it sounds too, too good to be true. What, how do you feel or what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think in some uh, cases that the credit is very beneficial and it's helped a lot of companies and I think that people need to go into taking the credit knowing that that there is work that has, has to be done so it's not necessarily a free credit you know the activities that you're, that you're doing should be able to be documented and you should be able to quantify the amount of time you're, you're spending on r and d now that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have time tracking by any means so, but it does mean you have to have to be able to come up with some sort of estimation. And so you need to be able to have to, to I guess, have the desire to put, put the work in to get these credits that you are deserving. And then also note that there is this body out there called the Internal Revenue Service. And the IRS does have the liberty of selecting returns for audit. And if you are selected for audit, then there is a little bit of audit risk associated with the R&D tax credit because it is a very interpretive section of the tax code. Because it's open for interpretation on what activities may or may not qualify, um, the IRS tends to spend a little bit more time auditing it. So you should just be aware that, you know, if you qualify, you should definitely go after those credits. But just know that, you know, that there is time and effort on your part um ideally if you're working with a R&D tax credit provider they'll be shouldering the bulk of the 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 bulk bulk of the heavy work and the bulk of the hours but the company itself needs to be aware of what they're doing and how it's R&D and then facilitate that that tax credit provider with pulling together the proper documentation
0: great okay um so my last question is I, I always try and look at it at um, any incentive that I have a client looking at, um, but I try and look at it from their eyes. As a client, what else should I know or what else would I need to know before I pursue this? Is there anything else?
1: Many companies are performing R&D, and I've said this before, mm-hmm. but they can't actually utilize the credit on their tax returns, right? Even though they might be paying tax, because of certain limitations that are still built in and into the usability of those credits, um, companies might um, spend money on paying a provider to generate credits that they then can't currently use. Now, the credits do carry back one year and then carry forward 20, so oftentimes it's beneficial to go ahead and document as you're starting to, to grow in anticipation of being able to use those credits in into the future. But I just think making sure that proper expectations are, are set and that you, you've talked with your CPA firm and know exactly, you know, when you should be able to anticipate seeing the benefit from these credits. Sure. Um, the other thing that I would say is many states also offer credits. So in addition to the benefit that could be coming from the federal side, depending on where you're performing your research, that state may also have another incentive for you. So on $1 of spending, you might get two, two different credits.
0: Interesting. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, thank you again, Deb, for joining us this morning, or today, I should say, depending on when somebody's listening to it. It's not going it to always be in the morning. And thank you to the audience for listening. I hope you found this information valuable and useful. There, as I've mentioned in other podcasts, we are always coming out with new episodes. So please make sure you subscribe uh, so that you can receive uh, those, those uh, newer episodes as we come out with them in the future. Thank you.